Welcome back. We are in Revelation chapter 3, verse 18. Let's go. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. So we talked yesterday about buying gold. Found in the fire, the fires of life, tests are good, suffering is good, it produces patience and perseverance, and suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character and character hope. There is meaning behind our sufferings. We don't suffer for no reason. So when we're suffering, instead of getting angry or mad or playing the victim, try to find a way to thank God and to see God in it and to trust God. Because faith is something that needs to be tested. It's like your muscles when you work out. You're testing your muscles. You're flexing them and breaking them down so that the next day they're going to build up and be bigger, stronger, more endurant. I think that's a word, endurant. I'm not sure. I'll have to look that one up. But the same is true of faith. If you don't flex your faith, if you don't test your faith, if your faith is not tested, then it's not going to get stronger. You're going to stay in a little uh, baby state. And that's why it's so important that teachers and preachers and pastors and people not just feed babes, milk to babes, which you'll see in the Bible, but give them real meat, real substance, real great stuff. And that's the counsel of God going through the word, through the Bible, verse by verse. So here then it goes on, it says that you may be rich and um, semicolon and white garments that you may be clothed. So remember, white is symbolic of purity. If we look at Isaiah 61.10, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. You are clothed in Jesus Christ. Remember, you are not righteous when you come to Christ. You are not righteous because of your works. You're righteous because God the Father sees Jesus when he looks at you, and Jesus is righteous. So he clothes us, Jesus clothes us in his own righteousness. We are declared righteous. We are not righteous in our own right. We're righteous because he is righteous, so he, we are declared righteous. And these white garments, and they, notice that he says white garments in contrast to the community of Laodicea, which was well known for its glossy black wool. So this was talking about them needing the white garments of Christ, not the black garments that they were known for producing. The black garments made money for them, and therefore they had a sense of security. We talked about that yesterday, a false sense of security from money. And he's saying, forget about the money that you're making from the black stuff, the black sheep wool. And think about the white garments that I want to clothe you in because it takes the crimson blood of Jesus in order to wash us white, to make us pure. You see a bride on her wedding day typically wearing white, symbolic of purity. And so it says in white garments that you may be clothed semicolon, um, comma, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. That the shame of your nakedness. So let's go all the way back to the garden. Okay, so now we're in Genesis 3, 6, and 7. 
Genesis 3, 6, and 7 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took off its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So again, one of my goals of this is to teach you how to study the Bible without hearing my voice, just getting used to how to study it. So it says, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. So what did they do next? They sewed fig leaves. So they realized that there was something different. Their sin had revealed things. It had revealed their nakedness. And so clothing became symbolic of of the recognition that sin needed to be atoned for, needed to be covered. Well, they took probably the closest and quickest thing, which was some leaves and kind of fashioned them together to make little uh, you know, bathing suits or whatever, undergarments. But what did God do? So just a few verses later, in Genesis three twenty-one, it says, And also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Now, if you were reading the Bible, you'd probably just skim right past that and you wouldn't even think about it. It's one simple verse, but think of how impactful this is. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord made tunics of skin and clothed them. Okay, so how did, the God, how did God make tunics of skin? What is a tunic of skin? Well, it's the skin of an animal. Well, how do you get the skin of an animal? Well, the animal has to be killed. So the shedding of blood is required for the remission of sin. God knew this. And he was teaching Adam and Eve this. He was saying, you think you can cover your sin with a little leaf. He's saying, no, no, no. Life must be taken in order for your sin to be covered. So the Old Testament way of covering sin was through animal sacrifice. The New Testament way, and that was only temporary, the New Testament way is a permanent way. And it is a complete putting away of that sin once and for all. And that required the sacrifice of what we call the sacrificial lamb, otherwise known as God, otherwise known as Jesus. So just awesome to go back and see how the Bible weaves together. And when you stop and think about, wow, that's, that's just awesome. And this is what God does. Continuing on to verse 18, we have a semicolon and that says, And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Remember, the people of Laodicea, their community was known for either the production or distribution of eye salve, an eye ointment to heal eyes. And he's saying that you may see. So if we go to John 9, read a little bit of that. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who is this who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents. And it goes on, I'll fast forward to 6. When he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he healed this man from his blindness. And he could see. What I want to ask you is, are your eyes open? Are your eyes open to the things of the world or to the things of Jesus? Because I got to tell you, sometimes my things, my eyes are open to the things of the world and they entice me and they lure me and I have lust or covetousness for things of the world. And it's something that God is continually working with me on. And I, and I pray that I completely conquer all of the 
covetousness and things I desire that are worldly, that I would only want godly things. So I say this, not saying that I've conquered it, but I'm uh, being sanctified and working on those things constantly, and God's working uh, in me and through me uh, for those things. And to think about this eye salve, this eye ointment, one thing, so Jesus you know, spit and put mud there, and that's that's got to be irritating, but it takes irritation to produce illumination, to go from worldly vision to go to godly vision. Psalm 139, 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, 24, and see if there is any wicked, wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. John Newton was the man, you, you know the song Amazing Grace? Amazing Grace. All right, you know that song. Well, it says, I uh, was blind, but now I see. Well, how did he write that song, and who was John Newton? Well, he was importing slaves on ships to England, and he was an atheist. But do you know what happened? He got caught in a huge storm at sea, and he cried out to God. He realized that he needed a Savior. So the question, if John Newton, who was an atheist, a slave trader, now has one of the most recognizable songs in America and probably in the world, and he ended up loving Jesus, and it took a storm for him to see that. So what's your storm? What storm did you go through that really changed your life and led you to Jesus? Or what storm do you need? Because I know so many people who don't find Jesus until they hit rock bottom, and sometimes rock bottom is the best place because there's nowhere else to look. You can't look down because you're at the bottom, but you can look up. And when you look up, I pray, if that's you, that you see Jesus. I looked up at 33, and I realized that I was alone and naked and didn't want to follow my path that I was on anymore. I wanted to look up to Jesus and start following him. That's when I went from lukewarm, sitting on the fence, one foot in the world, one foot in God, to saying, no, God, I want you to be uh, preeminent in my life. And another thing I was thinking about uh, this morning when I couldn't sleep was a lot of people, like Jesus, do you think of him as a mascot? A lot of people think of him as a mascot, or, or at least they treat him like a mascot. They you know, just kind of carry him around with them, maybe on their neck or on their uh, ring finger or something. Or they kind of go to church and they go visit their, their pet once a week. Um, they go go to church and see him and uh, sing with him for an hour, hour and a half. And they're like, oh, great. I saw my saw my friend, my, my, my pet. Or are you going to just unleash him and say, Jesus, take over my life? I mean, take it over. Over. I want to go from just thinking you of this little as this little thing that I carry around to this giant entity being God who carries me around. I don't want to lead you, God. I'm not your shepherd. You're the shepherd and I'm the sheep. So open my eyes. Lord, I was blind, but now I see and I want to see more. Take me around. Show me the things of God. That's what we want to see. That's what I pray for you and that's what I pray for me. Tomorrow we'll pick up in verse 19. Lord, I pray for each person who listens to this, uh, whenever that may be, today, tomorrow, whenever, that you would just bless their day. And when I say bless, I mean that they would feel close to you, myself included, that we would know that you are God and you are in control, and that we can submit to you, that we would want to serve you, and that we would just enjoy the journey that you have us on, and that we would 
take as many people with us as we can to heaven by telling them who you are after we show them who you are. In your amazing name, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. Now it's time to go and make disciples, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to show people who Jesus is so that we have the right to tell them who Jesus is. I'd encourage you to share this by social media, text, or email with someone who you think could benefit from learning more about the Word of God. Have a blessed day. Thank you.